This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Coming up on this week's show, we'll get a review of Norwegian Cruise Line's Pride of America, the ship that sails Hawaii year-round. Yeah. Also, a progress report after the volcano in Hawaii and also the hurricane and uh, tropical storms out there. Ashley Kashulik from CruiseCritic.com stops by to get us up to speed with that. Just returned from a 14-night sailing on board Carnival Breeze, and I did eight different eastern and southern Caribbean ports and had five sea days there. An amazing cruise and those, I mean, just hidden jewels down there in St. Lucia, Tortola, St. John, um, Barbados. I'll have a, we'll do a review of the ship and the destinations here in the next coming weeks. So much to share with you. But first things first, it's Sherry Laskin with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hi, Doug. Carnival Cruise Line making a major smoking policy change come December 1st of 2018. What are we going to see? Yeah, they're ratcheting it up, that's for sure. They've updated their smoking policy, like you said, goes into effect next month. And according to their website, passengers caught smoking are going to face a $500 charge per violation and it's put onto their sale and sign account. And the thing is, it's interesting. They mentioned that, uh, you know, you can't, just because you pay the fine doesn't mean you can continue smoking in your room. So, so if you should try and get caught, you're going to be disembarked at the next port of call, most likely. And they're saying if you happen, if your neighbor is smoking or you smell smoke or you see someone with cigarettes, don't go up to them and say, hey, buddy, you know, put out the cigarette. Call guest services and that will avoid any kind of conflict. I remember pounding on someone's door once when the smoke was pretty much coming in through the vent. (laughs) And my room attendant went in there the next morning and looked at it. There was an ashtray full, not an ashtray, like a, you know, a dish of sort, you know, a little plate full of cigarette ashes. But when he asked the guy if he was smoking, no, we aren't smoking in here. (laughs) So, so yeah, you know, don't, don't try to take this on, on your own contact guest services and let them take charge of it. You, You know, Especially, especially if you're on your balcony and you just look over the rail and you see someone with a 12-foot-long cigar. You know, don't yell, <laughs> put that thing out. Call guest services. But this is great. I, I'm all in favor of this. Of course, I'm a non-smoker. But uh, good for Carnival. This is, you know, a pretty big move. There's been a lot of pushback on this. You know, we've paid $1,000 for our balcony. We should be able to smoke out there if we want to. But didn't the Star Princess catch on fire in 2006 because of a cigarette? That's what started the Princess fire, yep. Yeah. Uh, someone flicked their ashes. And it went down a couple of decks. The, the other people's door was open, hit the, the curtains in their room, the draperies, and poof, mm-hmm. went into flames. So, yeah, you can't smoke on a balcony. I mean, this is they have designated smoking areas, so just use them. You know, it makes me wonder, a ship like Carnival Paradise that was launched in 1998 as a non-smoking ship, if it would work in 2018. You know, it might be getting closer. I remember when I was on the Paradise just to check it out, and um, I was asking someone, you know, what's different about it? And they said they used better uh, upholstery, better fabrics on everything because they weren't worried about getting cigarette burns on it. So there are some advantages. And the world's largest cruise ship has officially been christened. It has, and this was uh, actors Alexa and Carlos Pena Vega and their 23-month-old son, Ocean. Now, they were what Royal Caribbean's calling the God family, so they, they took part in the Symphony of the Seas 
uh, inaugural celebration. And, you know, the God family, this is like reminds me of there's a here I go back to my Frasier uh, references again, but I will put this in here. Um, there's one episode, Frasier, his dad told him that his long lost God Uncle Charlie had died. So Frazier, you know, of course, questions, what's this, what's this God-uncle thing? And he goes, he asks his dad if at the funeral, uh, could he catch up with his God-cousins and also meet the God-neighbors? So when I saw God-family, it was just like, okay, where's tradition? But it's, it's Royal Caribbean. They can do what they want with the world's largest cruise ship. So the little, little kid, the 23-month-old ocean, pushed the button and it released a bottle of champagne. It broke against the side of the ship. And all was well. But what's really cool is they had 400 drones. You'd love that, right? Mm -hmm. In synchronization, flying around, uh, obviously, outside the ship. And they brought in uh, the Miami Southridge High School Performing Band, and they did a drum line. And I love the movie, and I would have loved to have heard that. But bottom line is this turned out to be the biggest naming ceremony in Royal Caribbean's history. That is pretty cool. Now, this ship is going to be sailing seven-night Caribbean cruises out of Port Miami. It is. And Celebrity Cruises' new ship, Celebrity Edge, has arrived in Florida as well. Yeah, this was interesting. I was coming into port yesterday on the 20, what was it, 26-year-old Majesty of the Seas, and uh, I didn't look up, but had I gone out on deck, I would have seen the Celebrity Edge coming into port, and it had, uh, you know, the es- it was escorted by the fire boats with the, the, you know, the the sprays of water that sort of arch around it, and it was quite uh, a big event. It's going to be sailing seven night Eastern and Western Caribbean itineraries from Port Everglades, and. Uh, it carries 2,900 passengers, and it's going to go back to Europe in the spring uh, to cruise the Mediterranean during the summer months and again come back in the fall. And I was just looking at it because I was curious, and prices are really high for the eastbound transatlantic next spring. So maybe the ones for the fall coming back aren't too bad. Yeah, fingers crossed there for you, Sherry. Carnival Victory uh, is going into a major dry dock in 2020. We talked about it a few weeks ago. And it looks like Carnival is going to add a fast food restaurant aboard Carnival Radiance once it debuts in 2020. What are the details here? Yeah, well, Shaquille O'Neal is going to open up a a franchise of his big chicken restaurant. He just opened the first one in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. Uh, And it's going to serve, as you might imagine, fried chicken sandwiches, But the sides are going to be a little bit different. Instead of traditional coleslaw, it's going to be pickle slaw and, of course, French fries. And they will also be featuring his signature shack sauce. It's some kind of a barbecue sauce, I guess. And it will be open for breakfast, and the chicken will be served, of course, on biscuits. Um, Do you want me to mention a few other restaurants that are being added? Uh, you, You can, sure. But I think we should also mention this is going to be a complimentary venue. It is, uh, yeah. So, you know, similar to how you would, I would imagine, how you would go up to get, you know, a Guy Fieri burger. It will be a stand like that, and then you add your sides and your toppings. And they're also putting on a Fahrenheit 555, the, the you know, their iconic steakhouse, and a Banzai Sushi, a full-service restaurant, cappuccino. Um, the Italian Cucina del Capitano is also going to be there. So the Radiance is going to have a lot of new um dining venues, but this, this one with the big chicken should be a big deal. Big chicken, big deal. I love it. And uh, last but not least, Norwegian Cruise Lines and Norwegian Jade was on a 10-night sailing to the Southern Caribbean when something happened in San Juan. 
Yeah, something happened as though <laughs> a mechanical breakdown mm. basically is what happened, and the ship was forced to remain in San Juan. So what happened to the passengers? Well, Norwegian arranged for charter flights from San Juan to Miami, which was where the ship would have returned to in another seven days. But if someone wanted to make their own arrangements, they also agreed to repay people in the amount of $650 in change fees. So that's kind of a, a generous amount unless you have a family of seven, in which case it wouldn't be so great. But uh, they're going to compensate for, the, you know, for ending the trip in San Juan uh, with a refund for the cost of the cruise, which, of course, I can understand. And then they're going to give out a credit for a future cruise based on the cost of, you, of what you originally paid. So, you know, they, they're trying to compensate. Word isn't out yet what caused the breakdown or why, you know, why this all came to be. But, you know, for me, I, first thing I think of is, what if you don't fly? You know, and I'm not the only one that doesn't fly. A lot of people might have driven to the Port of Miami for the cruise and plan to drive home. Listener question here. Email your questions, Doug at cruiseradio.net. This one's from Sarah. Do you think that snorkeling would be better in Grand Turk or St. Kitts? We are trying to decide which island to have a beach day on and which to snorkel. Yeah, this is an interesting question because, of course, as islands, they all have beaches, and you would think they are all snorkelable. But, um, and, and St. Kitts really has nine beautiful sand beaches. They're all located at the south end of the island, so you'd have to get there. But Grand Turk uh, is also known for spectacular diving. But, however, the reefs are pretty far from shore, and they're pretty deep down. So, you know, even with your snorkel and your best, you know, deep breath, it probably wouldn't give you much time to explore the reefs without coming back up. So my opinion is your best bet if you want to snorkel is, Go to St. Kitts and the beach that I would recommend for snorkeling. They also have um, a changing room, I think, and uh, refreshments would be White House Bay. And then leave the beach day to Grand Turk. The reef is just too far away. Um, You could always take a boat, you know, a, a, a snorkel boat tour out there. But that's not quite the same as just walking from shore and snorkeling around and seeing fish and, and all that other thing. So I would say... Snorkel in St. Kitts and leave the beach to Grand Turk. Been talking with Sherry Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Thanks, Doug. Happy Thanksgiving. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. Every day, thousands of cruisers set sail to the Caribbean and are increasingly choosing their shore excursions through CruisingExcursions.com. Why Cruising Excursions? With prices up to 60% lower than cruise lines, around-the-clock customer service, and guarantees that give you a peace of mind, why not? So whether you're looking to zipline in Jamaica, snorkel in Nassau, or see Mayan ruins in Mexico, market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com has you covered. Book your family's next shore excursion at cruisingexcursions.com. We'd love to hear your comments. Email comments at cruiseradio.net. A part of Hawaii is under a mandatory evacuation. After warning signs, Kilauea would blow. Today, it happened. Well, Hurricane Lane is now dangerously close to Hawaii. The storm is now just west of the islands, and the Central Pacific Hurricane Center says there's catastrophic flooding happening on Hawaii's Big Island. 
plagued with a volcano eruption and hurricane slash tropical storms over the past few months. Hawaii has been in the news a lot in 2018. By listening to the reports, you may think Hawaii is no longer a tourist destination, but that couldn't be any further from the truth. Updating us on the current state of Hawaii is Ashley Kashulik, editor at CruiseCritic.com. She recently returned from a seven-night Hawaii cruise on Norwegian Cruise Line's Pride of America. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thanks, Doug. So, How are you? Uh, yeah, good. Now, before we talk about your cruise, take us through 2018 and where things kind of turned for Hawaii. So uh, in May, the Kilauea volcano erupted on the Big Island, which is the island of Hawaii, and lots of people lost their homes. There were some issues with ash and clouds and things of that nature. Um, so cruise lines kind of diverted to some of the other Hawaiian islands for a while, but they did a really good job of kind of steering clear of that. Um, and everything is, is back to normal now. And in fact, one of the positives that some of the locals were talking about when we were there is that there's actually a brand new black sand beach that was created as a result. Um, so sort of a silver lining there, I guess. Um, but then Tropical Storm Olivia hit, followed by Hurricane Lane. So that flooded parts of the Big Island, uh, mainly Hilo, um, which is now recovered mostly. And it also flooded parts of Oahu and left both of those islands partially without power. So um, that's all been restored and, and tourism seems to be picking back up. Um, but, you know, one thing to reiterate is just that it it is it's safe to go back and even when there were parts of the islands that weren't safe, it was very easy for the cruise lines to kind of find alternative places to visit. Well, yeah, it, it kind of it reminds me of like the uh, like the Caribbean during hurricane season, I guess, where if one island isn't good because Hawaii is a group of islands, they can kind of divert to another one. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It's um, all, you know, the ships have all the latest technology that kind of helps them uh, in terms of a storm anyway, helps them to avoid that bad weather that's coming. As we just mentioned, you recently returned from a cruise all around the Hawaiian Islands. So what was your experience like? It was fantastic. Um, one of the things that really struck me was how different all of the islands are. And I mean, you know, you see pictures of Hawaii and, and you anticipate that it's going to be paradise and a lot of the places are, but then you have places like Honolulu, um, which is a city. So that was interesting. The day-to-day the -day life is very different from one island to the next. We started in Honolulu, so it was a round trip from there, and um, we visited Maui and Kauai, Hilo. We were supposed to do Kona, but um, for the first time ever in my experience, um, there was a tropical storm in the Pacific that would have made it too difficult for us to tender in Kona, so we ended up skipping that, which was unfortunate, but... Um, Again, going back to the, the ships being able to sort of divert around the bad weather. So, yeah, we, we saw a lot, um, did a lot. So on a Hawaii cruise, whenever you have to skip a port, do they make it an extra sea day or do you go or, you know, go to another port of call? We did the Nepali coast sail by and it was like a, a scenic, absolutely gorgeous couple hours of sailing. They filmed some of the Jurassic Park movies there. And I just can't believe places like that exist in real life. It was jaw-dropping and I don't say that often because yeah. it is a cliche but it was just there's very little in life that stops me from talking and it was one of those things where I just couldn't find words um so we did that and then we arrived in Kauai um a couple hours earlier than we were scheduled to so I've never been to Hawaii so what are some like must-see or must-do experiences beyond the pretty beaches I mean my mind automatically goes to the Brady Bunch episode when they're you know hanging 10 in Hawaii back in the 70s <laughs> Of course, yeah. Um, beaches, there, there are 
plenty of them. Um, something that's kind of interesting, though, uh, with the surfing culture, from what I was told, is that it's very much something for the locals to do. So there are a couple of like touristy spots where you can go if you're not somebody who lives in Hawaii. Um, but even some of the, the people who have moved there and are not originally from there, um, the locals kind of box them out and they find it difficult to get a spot to surf. So some of the beaches will have a lineup in the morning where you go with your board and you get in line and you wait your turn to catch waves. And if you are not somebody who is born and bred Hawaiian, then you're going to have a really hard time getting a spot. <laughs> they are not um, so that's a side there. note. Wow. They are not. That's intense. Um, yes. Back to your question, um, there's, of course, there's beaches. We did a tour of a lavender farm and also a goat cheese farm, which was interesting. It's, um, those are two things that I never really associated with Hawaii, but it was just a really neat experience. Um, got to see some of the, um, more inland areas on a couple of the islands, the sail by of the Nepali coast, which is not really a short excursion, something you do while you're on board, but it's definitely a don't miss. Thing that is amazing and it's free. You just walk out on deck and they do live commentary and stuff like that. But the most fantastic thing I did while I was there was a flight seeing tour. Um, so you, you get in a helicopter and they take you up and they fly you over whatever it is you want to see. They have them um, around the Nepali coast, if that's your thing. The one that I did was over the Kilauea volcano, which was incredible um, and also sobering because you could see some of the homes that had been just engulfed by this lava. But the interesting thing was I was expecting this giant mountain with all kinds of, you know, red bubbling mm -hmm. lava inside. And um, the types of volcanoes that they have in Hawaii are slightly different. So they're flat and it's just an open crater. And I mean, there's tons of steam coming out, but there was no lava because I guess when it erupted, it kind of dropped the lava levels down. So you couldn't even see any of that. But it was just interesting to see the the magnitude and the, the size of this crater and kind of the impact that it has had on the locals and the people who travel there. How does a Hawaii cruise differ from a Caribbean cruise? Because on a Caribbean cruise, you have two sea days and typically four port days. Is it about the same it was very port intensive. It was pretty much port after port after port. And we did have overnights in a couple of them, which is something that you generally don't get on a Caribbean sailing. I will say if you, if you like sea days, the ideal Hawaii type of sailing to do if you have the time is to probably cruise out of California because I think it takes about a week to get from California to Hawaii before you even start to experience the Hawaiian Islands. So if you want to do Hawaii, but you also enjoy your sea days, that's probably the way to go. The one that I was on with Pride of America, because Pride of America sails only around the Hawaiian Islands, you fly to Honolulu, you get on the ship, and it's just Hawaii. So you don't spend that initial week just getting from your embarkation port to the islands. What is one takeaway you had after spending seven nights sailing around the Hawaiian Islands? One takeaway? I don't know if I can limit it. Um, it's, it's gorgeous. Um, the people are fantastic. They're very welcoming. The culture is fascinating. Even though they're, they're Americans, obviously, they still, they hold on to their Hawaiian culture in a way that is really inspiring. Um, because some of the islands are so tiny, it's, you get into situations where everybody knows everybody else. Um, not so much in Honolulu, I guess, but particularly on Kauai, which, um, they've preserved it. And so only 25% of it is developed. 
and they just there's a sense of community and a sense of almost family, even with outsiders. They're just very, um, very welcoming. So the takeaway here is that Hawaii is open for business and don't let the news reports uh, mislead you, because if they are not all the way there, they're rebounding quite well, it sounds like. Yes. I don't know that I can confidently say it's 100% recovered, um, because I'm sure some of the damage will take a while to repair. But I didn't notice anything during my trip that would have kept me from enjoying myself. We've been talking with Ashley Kashulik, editor at CruiseCritic.com. Thanks for being on. Thanks so much, Doug. This is Cruise Radio. Teresa Russell and her husband just returned on a seven-night cruise on Norwegian Cruise Line's Pride of America around Hawaii. And Teresa joins us on the line. Hey, Teresa. Hey, Doug. How are you? Good. Now, before we get to the ship itself, uh, because we haven't heard about this ship in a little while, um, what made you want to go out there? Because you're, where do you live, Ohio? I am in Ohio. Okay, so getting from Ohio to Hawaii, was that like a bucket list thing for you? I had been to Hawaii before. My husband hadn't been there for probably 25 years. Mm -hmm. And I had actually done the Pride of Hawaii maybe three years ago before it went into dry dock. So that was one reason to go again, see what the improvements were. And I mean, Hawaii is just, I love the South Pacific. So Hawaii is just a wonderful destination. It's kind of a long haul for us, but definitely worth it. I was going to ask you, how long did it take you to get to Honolulu from Ohio? 12 hours coming back. We did a stop in Portland on the way going, so that broke the trip up a little bit. And it was, I think, seven hours. We actually flew out of Seattle because we got a better rate. Okay. Very nice. So you make your way from Seattle over to Honolulu. Did you do a pre-cruise stay? We did do a pre-cruise stay. We were right in the Waikiki Beach area which was very convenient. That is not really close to where the ship is, but we wanted to see the beach, and we had read about a hula show at one of the hotels on the beach, which we went to that. The weather, unfortunately, was not very good. It was raining all the time, so we pretty much, you know, we were happy we took an umbrella with us, Mm -hmm. and, you know, we just walked around and, you know, kind of just strolled around and went to that show and didn't do a whole lot. The next morning, you make your way to Pride of America. How was embarkation? Embarkation is really different for Pride of America. So you do not leave your luggage with a porter outside of the terminal. Mm -hmm. You take it in with you, and then you are directed down to a room where they put the luggage through one of the machines. Mm -hmm. So you leave it there. You take all of it yourself. And then you come back, and then you go through security and then check-in from there. Uh, We got on the ship soon enough, but another different thing with Pride of America is they don't say, hey, your rooms are all ready. They do it in stages. So they would say, like, okay, deck 12, your rooms are ready. And then, you know, like deck 8, and they do it that way by deck. So So that was a little different than what I'm used to. This was once you're on the ship or before you get on the ship? That was once you're on the show. Okay. So you can still go on, mm-hmm. you know, like you do normally. And, you know, lots of times you have to wait for yeah. your room to be ready. But they didn't just say, okay, all the rooms are ready. It was like deck 12, your room is ready. Deck eight cabins are ready. Okay. So that was a little different. Yeah. Now the last and then th- the ship leaves at 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, the last time you sailed Pride of America, it was before the dry dock. So, like, when you walked on this time... 
Did you notice any noticeable changes? Well, the Pride of America does have an America theme, which mm-hmm. makes sense because it's Pride of America. So the big atrium is called the Capitol Atrium. It looks like you're in the Capitol building. It has the seal of the United States on the floor. So that was pretty much the same. But they've updated, like, carpeting throughout the ship and the restaurants. They had, you know, new linens and blankets and decor in the staterooms. The photo gallery is the new kind where you, you know, use your key card to find it. It doesn't actually have all the photos in the slots like they used to have. So that's all nice and new. Okay. And they redid, let's see, La Cucina is different, and that's really impressive. That's the Italian restaurant, a Norwegian. That was really nice. And they just updated a lot of things. So it was pretty nice. Yeah, it sounds like it. Because, I mean, that ship, it, it went under, went like a pretty extensive dry dock. It wasn't just in there it for did, like a week. It did, I think, $400 million. Yeah, something like that. They did it over, right. over in San Diego, I think. Cool. So San Francisco, uh, I think. San Francisco, yeah. yeah. There you go. So you make your way to your stateroom. Once your deck is called, what kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? Well, actually, I booked an inside, mm-hmm. and Norwegian has something called Upgrade Advantage. Okay. You bid on upgrades now. They don't just kind of randomly give people upgrades. So I thought, oh, I don't know if I'll bid. And then mine came in that I, the bidding – to go from inside to Ocean View, I think started at twenty five bucks, and to go from inside to balcony was fifty bucks. I thought I'll take a chance, yeah. and I thought I'll be, you know, really splurged. So I bid fifty five bucks, and that's a per person, and that's per person. It's not per person per day. It's just per person. So for a hundred and ten extra bucks, we got a balcony. Nice. So that's awesome. We were pretty thrilled. With yes. That. How is it? And we were on, on the port side, which is good for when you sail along the Nepali coast. Yeah. So that was perfect. What did you think of the balcony size on that on that ship? Um, you know how balconies are a little bit small. Mm-hmm. So I'll say it was small but adequate. I mean, we enjoyed our time on the balcony, so we survived. Norwegian and tends we're to have tall. smaller staterooms anyway. Did you think that this the balcony stateroom itself was a little small? No, no, not really. You know, I had a sofa. We were comfortable. Yeah. The only thing I really have it to compare it to is sailing an inside room on Norwegian Star. And that was um, right. a, that was like a coffin. So I did. I thought that the, uh, the, the balcony rooms I walked by seemed a little small. But again, there's different categories. So I could have been looking right, at a smaller right. category. I mean, ours, we had the two lounge. Well, actually, what they do now, instead of having the long lounge chair you have the regular deck chair and mm-hmm. there's a little stool that slides under it yeah so you know thinking about that with the chair against the exterior wall the stateroom to the railing mm-hmm. that combined with that stool yeah it touched both walls did you find there was plenty of storage on the uh, in the cabin yes cool. i did it's nice that my husband didn't have to hang a lot of stuff i could <sighs> kind of take over a lot of the space but we had plenty of storage. It's funny. I, I'm the closet hanger on whenever I go on cruises because I hang up every single piece of clothing except my bathing suit. Oh, okay. So we could never share a stateroom. You would not like me. No. Well, <laughs> I share with somebody else who has to get extra hangers just for her stuff. <laughs> nice. And I get the one. <laughs> uh, 
Well, let's talk about food on Pride of America. We'll start at the buffet area and work our way down from there. So how was that? That was good. And they, even though they're in Hawaii, they still do have those famous pretzel rolls and pretzel bread. That is one of my favorite Mm -hmm. things on Norwegian ships. And that area is called Aloha Cafe, you know, to keep with the Hawaii theme. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty well organized and, you know, never really felt crowded. Is there a like a pub on there like Oshihan's? There is, and it's called the Cadillac Diner. And actually, it's open 22 hours a day. They close for cleaning or maintenance, something like that. And that hat does look like a 1950s diner, and there's like a Cadillac body down in there. And you can eat inside or out on the deck. So that's really nice. Very nice. Now, how about the main dining rooms? How were those? The main dining rooms were good, and like everything, there's still the America theme. So the Skyline is one of the two main dining rooms. That's kind of a Manhattan-style Art Deco dining room. And the other one is the Liberty dining room, and that's a more traditional, based on the founding fathers. And it has photos of, like, the presidents, Mm -hmm. Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, I think, any of the founding fathers. Did you? That did was you interesting. Do, um, any specialty dining on this sailing? I actually did. I did La Cucina, mm-hmm. and I was a little hesitant to do that because it's not that I don't like La Cucina, but I thought, oh, it's just kind of ordinary Italian. But I thought, okay, I'll just try it this time. I was so happy that we did that. My husband said he had the best fish he's ever had there. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking of doing Cagney's, but I didn't. So La Cucina actually happened to have a really nice tenderloin. It was just something that melted in your mouth. So I was very happy. And that's a place that's been renovated. So it's a nice, cozy setting. Cool. I highly recommend that. Did you do a dining package or did you just do the um, like the one restaurant? Well, I am platinum okay. latitude. So you got two choices for dining. So that was one that I selected. And then the other I did, Jefferson's Bistro, Mm -hmm. which is the French, which is just like Le Bistro on the other. And then I also did Moderno. I like how that ship is committed to those historic names. Like instead of Le Bistro, Jefferson's Bistro. uh, Bistro. Right, right. I do too. (laughs) It's really nice. What do you think of the Brazilian restaurant? That's a lot of food. I think it's a guy restaurant, Mm -hmm. but... You know, I've learned from the past to kind of pace myself. You know, don't just ask for a real thin piece or to split whatever it is in half. But it was great service, and it's very popular. If you haven't been there for a while, they have changed some of the offerings. So you don't need to think, oh, this is the same meat I had before. They switch it around so they can keep everybody coming back to see what's new. What do you mean they switch the offerings up? I mean, is it like from like bacon-wrapped steak to a regular piece of steak, something like that? Right, it is. It's just the way they serve it okay. or marinate it or something, you know, like that. Okay, fun. How about like uh, any any little snack places you went to, like any kind of pizzerias or ice cream or anything like that? Well, you could call it the snack. We went to one of the bars that had, you know, hamburger and hot dogs during the day by the pool. That was good. And speaking of by the pool, let's talk about the, I don't want to say sea days, because I know this itinerary is very port-intensive, but there is a few hours at sea. So how was the uh, passenger flow like with crowds and congestion during your sea days, or during your hours at sea, I should say? 
I wondered if the ship was full, but mm-hmm. it was. And, you know, they had to sign up. Do not, we cannot change your stateroom because we are full. But it was a really good flow. And actually, we were very lucky. There's a place I discovered way up on, I think, the 13th floor that had cabanas. And I thought, oh, these are for sweet guests. They're open to anybody. And oddly enough, there were some loungers in those little cabanas. And, I mean, that shows how uncrowded it was. And like you said, it is so port-intensive that, you know, you go out for most of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... But I never saw, you know, the the flow was good. I never felt crowded at all. How was the cruise director on board? She was really good. And there were plenty of activities. So, like, you could learn to hula dance. You could make a lay. You could make the other kinds of necklaces and learn about the culture. And there actually is like a little up in the library, like a little cultural area where you can learn about Hawaii and, you know, different things. Okay. So it was, it was good. And then they, one of the shore excursions is a luau, which we didn't go to, but that's very popular. How about the main theater shows? We went to Vegas. They had enough. There was, there was a one a night. They had magicians. Honestly, we usually ate dinner kind of late, like 8.30, so those didn't always fit into our schedule. Yeah, I mean, what Hawaii, we did see was good, and there were some musicians around, so that was really good. Hawaii, to me, seems a lot like a Mediterranean cruise where it's so port-intensive. When you get back to the ship, all you want to do is just eat and chill out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. That's the best thing to do. Well, and speaking of ports, uh, what ports did you hit? We're running short on time here, so just give me um, the port you went to and the highlight for each port. We went to Maui, and you do it overnight there. So the first day, we did the road to Hana. Mm -hmm. The second day, we went to Haleakala, and that's where people will sometimes go to watch the sunrise. We didn't do that. You have to get up at like 3 a.m. to do that. And we did rent a car, so we could have done that. But when we got up there, it was totally fogged in, so we couldn't see anything from the very top. Then the next day, we went to Hilo, and there we went to Volcanoes National Park. And I will say some of these are national parks, so if you have a national park pass, be sure to pack it, because it's 25 bucks to get into the parks. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we took ours with us, so we saved 75 bucks. And then... Let's see, after Hilo, we went to there, you go to Kauai, and that's another night. So the one first day we went to the Waimea Canyon, mm-hmm. that's a state park, and that's the one I think some of Jurassic Park was filmed there, and that's the good one to take the helicopter tour over, but we didn't do that. That's on the list for the next time, and then the next day we just drove along the coast and went to several different waterfalls. And then you leave like at one thirty on that day, and you go by the Napali Coast, which we had great weather this time, so it was just gorgeous. Did and you, then that's the end of the cruise, and you head back to Honolulu. Did you get to go uh, pass by the volcano? Oh, yes, we did that. There wasn't a lot of flow. We could just see some little orange dots. They're like, there's the lava. Okay, so it was that's what like- you do when you leave Maui. Yeah, awesome. Very cool. So, but it was still interesting. One thing to know about Pride of America, since it's 
an American flagship, and because of Hawaii laws, you cannot do the ultimate beverage package. There is no casino, and you cannot even play bingo for money. They had some kind of fun bingo, no gambling of any sort. Wow. Okay, I guess that makes sense, U.S. waters type thing. So, yeah. Right. Interesting. Now, uh, you make your way back to Honolulu. How was the debark process? That was very easy. A lot of people doing the self-assist. We stayed on late because our flight didn't leave until later in the afternoon. So we were one of the last off. But it was easy. And there is, for people with late flights, there is luggage storage in the terminal. Mm -hmm. I think it's five bucks a piece. Okay. You know, so if you want to go to the beach for the day and come back, that's a good place to leave your luggage. Yeah, that's that's not a bad not a bad price either. No, not at all. Yeah, and it's pretty secure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's right in the terminal. It's like right where you put your bags through the scanner when you come in. Very nice. Um, so, looking back on the sailing, what was the biggest highlight for you? I think for me, going to see uh, Waimea Canyon. And actually, the Napali Coast, that was great, too. Yeah. And we were very happy we had the balcony and could just sit there and enjoy that. Do you have any tips to offer us? Be sure you plan well in advance, because since it is so poor-intensive, you don't really have time to sit in your room and think, oh, what should we do today? Mm-hmm. And, of course, there are some great short excursions. I do recommend renting a car. I mean, for us, that gave us freedom to stay as long as we want, to go hiking, not feel rushed. I highly recommend that. And the rental car companies do have shuttles, and they will pick you up right at the ship. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or most of them do. We met some people who had to take a cab to get their rental car. But What um, rental car company do you use normally? Actually, I use different ones, okay. but we mostly use Dollar and Alamo. Okay. So those are the ones that had the shuttles over there? Yes, okay. those did for sure. Okay, very nice. In closing, what are your final thoughts of Pride of America? I definitely think it is the best way to see the Hawaiian Islands. You get the overnight. You spend actually over 100 hours in port. I mean, I couldn't imagine having to fly between each island and yeah. find a hotel and, you know, pack and repack. So definitely that really, to me, is the best way to get a taste of all the islands. Like I said before, be sure you plan everything out before you leave. You know, look and see what you would be interested in doing. There's good beaches. You can see whales. We were kind of at the end of that season. Mm -hmm. The Nepali coast was wonderful. They did remodel the spa, but I never found any time to do things like that. Be sure you take sunscreen and a hat and water with you because it does get hot there. And when you go visit the national parks, especially volcanoes, I mean, there are some lava flows around, so wear some sturdy shoes. And if you have that park pass, pack it. We've been talking with Teresa Russell. She just returned from a seven-night cruise on Norwegian Cruise Line's Pride of America over in Hawaii. She also did an article on it. uh, What was it? Pride of America pointers, Teresa? Yes. Okay. And I'll link to that in the show notes at cruiseradio.net. Teresa, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Doug. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you a peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Let's see what we've got for you. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.